With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where Mr. Lolly, I'm told that they still have the captain going. Yeah, if you're into fish sandwiches, uh, and, and who isn't, uh, that's a good one to go and uh, get before they're gone. Yeah, and they come in not just in the, the big like hoagie-type buns, but they also come in wraps, which is nice for people like me and Dale, who benefit from eating things in wraps. Uh, you know, the reason that I would bring the football writer of 30-plus years onto this particular program would be to talk about baseball, because that's logical, right? Well, for anybody who doesn't know, Dale's also very much a baseball lifer in terms of coaching. Uh, his son plays, and you actually might be the best qualified person on our staff to speak to this subject, but when you see and hear and read these debates that never seem to end about pitch counts and pitcher usage, look, Dale, I know you're old school about a lot of stuff, but I know that you're not on this, right? No, because you, I mean, you have to protect the pitchers. This is not 1960 where, oh, well, you know, Sandy Koufax went out and threw 300 innings five years in a row. And then what happened to Sandy Koufax? Five years. Exactly. You know, if you, you're investing millions of dollars into these pitchers, and it's not something that I would do, even though my son was a pitcher in college, I wouldn't spend as a major league team big money on a pitcher. Uh, particularly a starting pitcher, because he's out there once every five days. You're going to get one. You're going to get 30 starts out of him over the course of a season. Is that worth giving a pitcher 30 million dollars, a million dollars per start? I don't think that's good business myself. But if you're going to make that kind of investment in a pitcher Ugh. or a first round draft pick, you damn well better protect his arm. You're not going to send him out there in his first start of the season and expect him to go 125 pitches. That's insane. It's yeah. just, it just is. It's, it's in the, the medical part of it. And again, I know you can speak to this is a very real thing. These, these numbers that get thrown out there about pitch counts, pitch usage, building up the arm, uh, conditioning it through the season. These aren't just made up. And I, and I think that's part of the problem that, that people have accepting this is that because they didn't grow up with this data or this medical information or this scientific information, this, this, this hard evidence, they don't think it's real. They don't accept it. All they know is that Nolan Ryan once pitched a game with uh, 140 pitches or whatever it is, and then that must mean that everybody can do it or should right. do it. When I was coaching, and I still coach, but when I was coaching, uh, specifically pitching coaching, uh, doing as a pitching coach, Every pitcher is different. You may have one pitcher who 110 pitches is nothing to him. He goes out there and does it. You may have another pitcher who, when he gets to 80, you can see him getting tired. That's the problem. The pitches, what, 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 Hang on. Why? Why is that? 
you, you, some guys use more of their bodies than others. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the, it's, it's about the conditioning of the legs more so than anything. That's why you see pitchers, they should be out there working on their, their leg condition, lower running, body, yes. running and all that stuff. Because what happens is when the legs get tired, now your mechanics start to start to lag a little bit. And so you, you're yeah. compensating with more of your arm. And so that, you know, the, the, the arm drags a little bit, or you try to overthrow with your arm and, and that's when you get the injuries. So, you know, so much of it again is how, what's the guy's build like? I, I know a lot of, um, uh, of major league teams look at, uh, you know, how, how tall is he? It's not so much how tall he is. What's his build like? Is he, is he 5'10, but 210 pounds? Is he 5'10 and 150 pounds? There's a big difference there, you know? Oh. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think it, it, it for, you know, if you think back and hey, we know, you know, what Roger Clemens' situation was with, with the PEDs and everything else. But the one thing that always stood out to me about Roger Clemens, like this, his legs were so yeah. tree trunks, tree yeah, trunks, just tree yeah. trunks, and that's what you need. I mean, that's where you're generating your power at as a pitcher. It's not here. It's not here. This stuff is along for the ride, and they're great. Yeah. Nolan Ryan's the same way. You look at Nolan Ryan, and he's put together. And so, you know, I, I've had pitchers, I, I pitchers on the same staff that were, you know. And one of them was my son. When my son would get to 85 or so pitches, when he and this is at the pony level, mm -hmm. uh, so he was 14. When he would get to 85 pitches, he was pretty much done. You know, uh, you weren't you could he, you could leave him out there, but he wasn't going to be effective. Hmm. I had another pitcher on the same staff who uh, 110, 120 pitches. He was still he was still going strong. I mean, but it, it's it's apples and oranges. Every pitcher is different. Yeah, and, and we haven't even brought up the the whole concept of ease and ease of motion. Um, there's a baseball term that you hear all the time when you're out on the ball fields, and it's it's free and easy. He's throwing free and easy, free and easy. And what that means in layman's terms is that nothing about the motion is especially high stress. You know, it's not that what they call max effort delivery, right? That's how someone like the, to me the, the the example that really jumps out in baseball, uh, recent baseball history of a smaller guy who who just pitched way above his stature is Pedro Martinez. I mean, I'm that's the, I think of I think of him and I think of the the kid for the uh, the Giants. Uh, with oh the well, okay, yeah. Tim Wakefield. I mean, that's different because or Wakefield, Tim Lincecum, Lincecum, well, Tim Lincecum, Tim yeah. Wakefield, and yeah, he was Tim a guy. He would do the thing yeah. where he went all the way. He had all kinds of weirdness. But, but Billy Wagner, up, Billy Wagner was a little guy, but you he's know, he, a reliever. Yeah, he yeah. I mean, he could go max effort. But the, I just when you see these guys, and now we're going to be getting into a debate between Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker on the same thing. And and you and I are texting each other during the Vanderbilt game the other night, and you're like, Jack Leiter's it, Jack Leiter, <laughs> because you don't care about his stature because you're watching his stuff. Um, it makes for a fascinating debate. That kind of stuff. But the health of the pitchers does not. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. This idea that you just roll them out there and somebody from the Minnesota Twins had a no-hitter through six innings at 84 pitches, that dude is not getting a no-hitter. He's right. not. I mean, if, if you want to get a no-hitter early in the season, you better be very, very – uh, you, you can't go deep in counts. No, you can't, you can't be Chris Archer. You can't have out on you. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, throwing sinkers and getting ground balls. You want, you want two or three pitch at bats for everybody and it worked. You can do that. It works. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it happens. Um, you know, again, well, uh, this dude wasn't getting it. That's my point. Right. He, 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 he was, and I don't know that even if he had 
a low pitch count, like 55 or 60 through six innings, I still, you know? Yeah. For, and, well, and, and that's and, the thing that people don't think about because, okay, before the game, he threw 40 pitches in the bullpen to get warmed up for the game. Teams then track all of it. Throwing they, pitches, you know, in between innings. So once he gets up to, to that sixth inning, he's already thrown an additional, let's say he throws five pitch, five warm-up pitches per inning. Well, he's now he's already at 70 pitches plus what he's thrown in the game. And all of it's tabulated. Even in places like Pirate City out on the four-field complex, every single time that arm throws a baseball in anger, uh, it's it's tracked. And they know that for their own purposes, for when they, they go to try to trade a player, they have all of that stuff documented so no one has to worry about excessive wear and tear. It's just the way things are done now in baseball. It's the way things are done, but it's done that way to protect the pitcher's health. Yeah, and, you know, it's, I, I've, I've, you know, I covered a high school baseball game one time where when, this is before they were using pitch counts, where I watched a pitcher in a playoff game go out there and throw, because I track pitches, pitches counts when I'm covering a game like that. Took him 70-plus pitches to get through the first inning. <sighs> they ran him out there again for the second inning, and he threw another 25 pitches before they finally pulled him. Yeah. Under the old high school rules, because he had only thrown two innings, he would have been eligible to come back and pitch the next day. Oh, and thrown, somebody would have used him. And they probably would have used him. He was the ace him. of that staff, and so they would have used him. Uh, you know, so now high schools are at the pitch count level, which I think is a good thing. You know, I, I'll go back to, again, when, with, when I had my son. He threw a complete game in high school at one point where he threw 68 pitches. Wow. But then couldn't throw again the rest of the week because – he pitched on a Tuesday. We played again on Friday, and, and he hadn't had the proper rest for throwing seven innings. I think pitch count is, is a more proper way to do it as opposed to the innings, but the problem at the high school level is who's tracking the pitches because, I, I mean, you, you've answered phones before in, in a sports department as I have. They don't even know the score. <laughs> yeah, and you're, 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 get, you're getting, a, you know, and this is no offense, you're getting some freshman who has no idea how to keep a book, and you ask them how – you know, how, how, how many hits were there? 27? No, there weren't 27 hits in the game in a, in a three to two ball game. You know, it's just so you're, you're that's what you're getting there. So we're working in the right direction, I believe, at the lower levels. But I think at the and, and so I think that's what trickles down. You know, the people who are saying that, well, he only threw, you know, six innings are looking at this backwards like they used to look at it. Uh, you know, through through the eyes of how youth baseball used to look at it. Well, you know, these guys should be able to throw nine innings, no problem. It's the pitch count. It's how many pitches has he thrown. You know, again, Chris Archer is a perfect example of that. How many how many games last year was he at ninety pitches through five innings? If he was lucky, <laughs> um, because he couldn't find the strike zone. You know, we we were you you posted the other day before. Uh, before the start of uh, the Pirates, uh, number one guy, the, the prospect, Mitch know. Keller. Mitch Keller, that he needs to he needs to trust his stuff. Absolutely, mm -hmm. if in, you know, trust your stuff. Jeff Carson's uh, chimed in on that. He's a perfect example of that. If you put Jeff Carson's and Mitch Keller together in a bullpen session, you'd look at this and go. There's no way that they, these guys have the same job. <laughs> but one of them would attack the hitters, and one of them would not. You have to. And this is where I think. A lot of times, the former staff of the Pirates gets a little bit of a bad rap, the pitch-to-contact thing. Mm -hmm. That's what that means to me. That means pitched in the zone. 
Don't try to get a lot of chase pitches because they're wasted pitches. Yeah, maybe you'll get some chase strikeouts, but if you attack the zone and make the hitter hit your pitch as opposed to you know, laying a meatball down the middle of the plate because it's now a 3-2 count, you're going to be far more effective. Ramon Foster joins me from Hendersonville, Tennessee. And, and, and Moan, the next time we see the NFL, we will see a 17-game regular season. And yeah. this uh, – I'm not going to say anything about it in advance because I'm, I'm infinitely more interested in what you have to say. Mm-hmm. But this is going to change uh, football – and it's going to change maybe, maybe the awareness of CTE and concussion protocol, or, or is it? Or is it just, here's just another game? It's a little bit of all of it, honestly. Um, so, before, you know, before the 17-game discussion came up, it was part of the CVA discussion also. There was an option. The option always was 17, never 18. The idea was, okay, you get one more, you take one away in the preseason. Um, The idea of it was if you get one more, you also get more money up front. This is the thing that went down with, you know, the 17-game discussion in the CBA. Yes. I was a student – not student rep. I was a team rep with the Steelers. And my involvement with me being a rep to my guys was always this. They're going to be well-informed. They're going to understand what the business side of these decisions are. I tell them about the money. I tell them about the risk. I tell them about the ups and downs of everything they got going on. At this time, you know, this discussion, I had already, you know, um, I had already retired, you know, when the heat of this. But my duties were still as a rep, me, Cam, and Marquise. And Vinny was in on some of those calls and just Vince Williams was in on some of those calls and just everything. And this is the thing that I told them, look. I'm going to cast a vote, but it's not my vote. I give all you guys this information so you can decide on what you're going to do. Because, look, I'm not going to play under this deal. You guys are going to play under this deal. You guys are going to have the, uh, you guys gonna have the responsibility of fulfilling a 17th game if they present it to you. Okay? So we go into everything they want to go into, the health side of it. You know, just trying to make sure guys have stuff for post football. They have stuff during the season. They have all their checks and balances of well, workers' comp and just line of duty benefits and everything else. We, I gave them all this information. Anybody ever tell? If anybody say Ramon didn't inform us, they weren't listening. Okay. okay. If anybody say Cam didn't inform them, Cam Hayward, they weren't listening. Same goes for Vinny. Same goes for Marquise also. Marquise is on the other side of it. Honestly, he kind of wanted to vote no. But when you present everything in front of everybody and say, hey, look, the opportunity to make more money in this game is what you want. The best way to get this opportunity is probably going to be able to add a 17th game. Not going to like it. There's going to be adjustments to the offseason. There's going to be adjustments to, I guess, just continue study of getting the technology of the equipment we use better. There's spotters up top that, you know, spot guys who are concussions. For concussions, yeah. Pull people out of games. Now. You got an opportunity of raising the minimum up. Also got an opportunity of raising the cap up with the money that can come in from the TV deals because of one more game. You got to ask yourself, are you willing to do it? And the guys that voted in Pittsburgh voted yes um, for this. I saw somebody today said the split on guys want to do it was like 49.5%. No. And I got to check in with the PA on this, but I think that, that yes, was actually a lot higher. Okay. 
So, with that being said, the guys were in favor of this new CBA with the idea that a 17th game wouldn't come in until 2021-2022. We are in 2021-2022 when it comes down to the idea of a 17th game. Um, now, of course, with this deal, this money, the 17th game that can be potentially played out, there's always going to be backlash. Oh, um, and there's you know, been there. You sure. know what I'm saying? So yeah. you and most of it at the you most of it at the union. Because I think, Mon, I think I think that the 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 picture that's been painted since this happened was that the NFL owners had a master scheme here where they were gonna go get their 17th game, they were gonna get their 10 years of labor piece. And then go to the networks, yeah, and you know, get their payday. But the problem with that, keeping it that simple, Moan, is what you just said, which is the expanded TV revenue still goes to the players because it's it's yeah. And this, I mean, okay. everyone talks about this TV money as if it goes a hundred percent to the owners. No. It's expanded cap. It's easy to say it goes to the owners because it's only 32 of them. And then you say, well, this guy is only making this. Let me explain something to you for the people that understand, like, why football players get paid what they get paid. Basketball has 12 to 15 guys on there. It's easy to give them guaranteed money and more up top. If you sure. if you look at their rosters, there's a bunch of minimum guys on those rosters too, okay? Mm -hmm. Hockey deals don't touch football deals at all. They don't touch any, any sports deals. Yeah, baseball. We only see the big time guys. There's a bunch of hundred thousand errors when it comes down to those players. In the yes, there are in the MLB too. And then the levels to get to the pros is I ain't gonna say way harder, but it's just as hard as making it to the next level in the NFL too. Football is the most contact sport you have in America when it comes down to it. The risk of injury is super high when it hundred percent injury rate when it comes down to it. Also, and then it's the fact that. An injury can end a guy more in football than it will in any other sport. So, and it's also 53 guys. So you go from what was it, four ninety-five to six hundred thousand dollar minimum. I think the minimum this year might be six twenty, six ten, six twenty, six thirty, somewhere up in there. The idea of this deal was: look, we get more money, and you spread it out more to the players. Guys, when I came into the league, my rookie year, my minimum was four hundred five. Okay, <laughs> technically. Just the finances of it, if we got time, that 405 basically split in half. That's what, two and a half, you know, two, let's say after everything's said and done, depending on who was president, four or five goes to 230-ish, possibly. Okay, after you, you mean done. You mean taxes, yeah. Yeah, after taxes. Okay. About 230. And then you got, of course, get a car because most of the time you don't have one. You got to pay rent because you don't have that. Then you got day-to-day -day living, Okay. If a guy only played one one year in this league, he could potentially leave this league with what he sacrificed, honestly, with not a whole lot. No. At a floor of at least 6'10, 620, 630, a guy can be a one and done and still have a nice lifestyle if he saves right and go into the workforce. Okay. That's the idea of this deal. Yeah, and that's also, the, the, the thing that I respect. I, I'm sorry, Mo, I just want to throw this in. The uh, the thing that I respect about the NFL's labor deal is that unlike you mentioned baseball, where they have just this massive gap 
between the 30 40 million dollar guys and then the 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 minimum in baseball is is right around 5 still yeah and meaning 500,000 and again this stuff sounds good except that your career and this is it doubly true in the NFL the NFL players have the shortest careers mm-hmm. uh in in North American professional sports is on average two years and that's just the amount of time that it takes you to just kind of bounce from one practice squad to the other and that's most of the guys it it is, is, it, call it, core guys that's what we were trying to take care of yeah there's no middle class i just talked to a baseball buddy of mine you correct me if i'm wrong but he mm. said he was one year away from being vested when is a baseball player vested like seven years or something uh, vested, I thought it was ten. <laughs> it was ten. Yeah, baseball, I, I went low. Different. Yeah, baseball. I went low, different. hoping you correct me. It's yeah. ten years to be vested. He's at nine years. Football yeah. is three and three. Three years, three games. But that's okay? why. That's why. Yeah, it, that is why. But like, imagine playing seven years and you're not vested yet. You know, yeah. that is suck. And then this is the other side that they're not talking about when it comes to this deal. I know the safety is a huge part of it. That's why the offseason will be a little bit different. That's why, like I said, the technology of the game switches up a little bit also, and hopefully they'll expand the roster by two or three guys, which is pos- is, is needed also. But the better the league does with this money, the better the players do also. Well, the, that's, that's what I was saying about the cap system is that it doesn't leave the players high and dry here. No. The, the owners don't just get to keep all the TV revenues because it came after the CBA. The TV no. revenues are accounted for. The- and, and, and I was going to say, that's also internet. That's also streaming. That's also the gambling side. Oh, yeah. of it. Which is the where players. most of this, not most, but that's where a lot of this money so- is is coming from let in me, the NFL deal. Let me let me say this because this is one of the most heated moments of like this negotiations. It's like, all right, guys, we can say all we want to about this deal. It comes down to what are you willing to do? Are you willing to say, no, we're gonna do less and potentially not grow more, or are you gonna take this money? And it rolled down into if I can leave this league shorter time, possibly better financially and set myself up that's what it came down to and it also came into well it's mostly a young guys lead by the time you get year seven you're very established and most coaches if you have the right one take care of you like Mm -hmm. yeah so it was again as you said to protect those core guys not the one percenters not your quarterbacks at Mm -hmm. DNs, left tackles starting left tackles and stuff it was the guys that was the middle of the road guys that like they give the same sacrifice, but they're not compensated the same way. Well, here's here's the last thing I got for you because you, you brought up health. Um, what more can and or should not uh, – we, we know the steps that have already been taken. You mentioned concussion spotters. I mean, there's obviously a greater awareness. There will be uh, hospital relationships in all 32 cities for teams, for, for guys. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's that set up also. Yeah. There's mandatory workers' comp that's going to be set up also. So, I mean, th- go ahead. My bad. I no, to- I just – that's actually what I'm trying to – I'm talking about more from the football standpoint here. Um, can can you go lighter on practices? I mean, all coaches, including your own, hate that uh, because they'll counter that, well, if we practice less – uh, we're not going to be as prepared for the opponent, and maybe you're heightening the risk of injury. 
You know, I mean, you know, there's there's different ways of looking at that, and, and I can respect both sides of that. Um, yeah. But is there, you know, do you think that there will be any easing up in any form or an understanding now it's 17 games? And specifically in Pittsburgh, we're talking about two or three years now where the team didn't finish necessarily yeah. the way it started. You know, I think this is going to be a real dialogue around here. Smart coaches will adjust. I think COVID showed us something last year by having no OTAs, no minicamp, no offseason. I think you and I will both agree the product of the game was still there at a high level. It was still good quality football. Fans and no fans, the guys competed. I think the biggest adjustment will come to guys' free time from February till May instead of February to April, you know. Uh, it'll be mini camp, or it'll probably just be mini camp, you know. And I know a bunch of the guys were advocates of that, were advocates of, look, I don't want to be in uh, City X because I just don't want to be there. And my biggest argument to them was, was, what about the young guys that need that, you know, that playbook time and stuff mm -hmm. like that? I think years one, two, and three, there might be an option to be in town, an option to be in town. I think um they have done a good job at least we have in pittsburgh of shortening practice time uh giving guys breaks but dk as, as much as we say this you know and i know and everybody that watches football they don't want to see you pulling flags they want to see you hitting they want to see you smashing faces yeah. so as much as these hypocrites talk about Safety, safety, safety. Guess what's going to be on Station X top 10 plays? Jacked up. Exactly. <laughs> well, guess what's going to be on Network B top 10 plays of the night? Jacked up. What's going to be on your local <laughs> radio station and podcast on the following Monday of the game? Monster Truck Voice this time. Jacked up. up, up, up. Okay. <laughs> The game is the game, and I hate it. I come to terms with myself about, hey, that's a part of it. I cringe when I let my son go out now for middle school football. But guess what? It's the game, DK. Mm -hmm. It's part of it. You don't want to see me patty caking with somebody with a shelves on instead of shoulder pads. You want to see me arms strapped up. Oh, yeah. And smacking somebody in the mouth. That's as it. much as they cried about Juju hitting perfect, no one looked away. Perfect. No one looked away. No, in fact, that yes. still gets cited as like the ultimate example of of uh, Juju as Pittsburgher. You know, because when he exactly, he, I uh, ain't telling them to miss me with it, DK. But to, guess what they're gonna do on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and sometimes Saturday? Flicking the remote. And watching somebody getting their head smashed. Yeah. yeah. Well, there'll be one more week of that than there well, has been in the past. It sucks, but that's the game. Joined now by Tom Reed in Columbus, Ohio. And Tom, we've seen the the world, much less the sports world, clamp down hopefully one final time to fend off coronavirus, including the Brazilian variant and, and other mutations. And we're seeing it hit the sports world, uh, notably the Vancouver Canucks, but not just them. Uh, the Washington Nationals have been hit. Uh, why, why aren't these athletes getting vaccinated? 
Well, uh, are we, you know, I, I think it, it, in mass, I, I would think at some point, uh, because we've gotten so far along in the process in a lot of these states in Ohio, they're into the age 40s and 30s. Uh, you would think at this point it would be okay for, for, I think a lot of people would be fine with, with teams going ahead and vaccinating their athletes. It's not like they're jumping, sh- jumping line to get in, in front of 70 and 80 year old people who are considered the most vulnerable. I would absolutely think that, that, that at this point, these teams should be getting vaccinated and it, you would hope that all the players, uh, and coaches, uh, would take advantage of that right now, but they don't. They don't touch the issue. I, I, I've brought it up with the the Penguins and the Pirates, our two teams that are active right now, and they act as if you're asking them like some strange thing. Uh, they just back off, They're, and and not only that, but they start talking about personal choice and stuff like that. Look, I understand that they're not in a position to where they can just go around jabbing needles into their players' shoulders, you know, while they aren't looking. But, yeah. but at the same time, let's be real here. There are going to be conditions to travel. There are going to be conditions to employment in the United States. And there's no way vaccines aren't going to be part of that. So at the very least, it seems to me that the National Hockey League and Major League Baseball should both be dealing with their players' associations on a vaccination. And if that's happening right now, I'm unaware of it. Uh, DK, I completely agree with you, but you also know what the climate of this country is in, 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 some of, in regards to some of this. And there are some people out there uh, that are just, for whatever reason, whether it's religious, uh, different, different, uh, different groups, just don't believe in, in vaccines. And this was even before we, we were talking about the, um, this virus, this virus, the, the coronavirus. So this has been an issue that's been ongoing for years and it's really just come to a head because we are in a, in a pandemic. Again, I agree wholeheartedly with you, but I think that's where, where some of the, some of these athletes and some of these people have reservations about it. And I, and I really don't know what the answer is. Uh, the I answer I last heard that I haven't even heard that Tom I, I all I've heard is that there's no plan that's kind of my, that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at here like I don't I, I haven't I don't know has there been a, an athlete somewhere that said I'm not taking it like in the no, NHL I, or Major League Baseball no but I do wonder if those conversations have already happened behind mm-hmm. closed doors right they're not you know they're not they're not coming out and saying and I'm just using this as an example but uh, Alexei Lafreniere is an anti-vaxxer and he will take it under no circumstances. Maybe the New York Rangers know that and they're not going to force it on him because they don't. Again, you're opening up an entire nether level of, boy, uh, you know, protests and that kind of stuff. And and I, I think teams and leagues are aware of that possibility. That's my only my only thought, my only guess on that. Yeah, because, I, I just – you know, I'm with you. Are- you. I, I think these teams and these leagues should have this – uh, first and foremost, for the safe, safety of the players, safety of the athletes themselves, and then, of course, just to, to make sure that there's no breakup in competition is what we're seeing with Vancouver right now. Yeah, I think that that's that's where this starts crossing the line into, um, you know, it's it's a community responsibility. Okay, I'm sorry, but if you're not vaccinated against a pandemic, you're not going to play in these four leagues. I mean, I, I don't see another way around that. 
uh, you are permitted uh, at least I don't know about Canada law, but I do know in the United States, you are permitted as an employer to mandate vaccinations. You just can't do your job. You can't do your job. Yeah. So be between that and getting organized, and then then comes the optics, which you referenced earlier. Yeah, it's it's not going to look great if professional athletes are going out and whatever. And it's not like testing where Major League Baseball and some other – uh, leagues were, as you know, because you, you you've written about this extensively, were creating basically their own labs or repurposing yeah. their existing labs. That's not the case with a vaccine. They're not making their own vaccine, uh, so yeah. they would be kind of jumping the line or whatever. But are they really? Because if you have your high risk people out of the way, what are we talking about here? Two thousand of these things max, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I again, you're you're preaching to the choir. I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Again, I just I just have a feeling that behind the scenes there are they are concerned uh, for the for their from a PR standpoint of yeah. what happens if a high profile athlete says you cannot make me take this vaccine. I have always felt this way about vaccines, uh, and again, I'm just hypothetically that there may be athletes out there whose wives are concerned about vaccines oh, sure. and stuff yeah. like that. That's where it gets really tricky. And, um, and again, it's, and this is all of our country, not just the sports world. I know we're talking about the sports world, but you know, you don't have to look too scroll too far down your page, uh, uh, news pages these days to see those type of stories out there. And I just think the sports world is caught in it just like everybody else. Oh.